Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to Archery Country Podcast. This is Wade sitting in with you today. Welcome to 2024 Park Podcast of Archery Country. Episodes are coming to you. We got a lot of great setups for this year. We got a lot of big brands. We got broadheads and arrows and bows and tree stands and saddles and camel companies and everything's lined up to be awesome. We also have our favorite bow review coming up with, uh, we're actually going to head up to the guys from Wade Park and uh, we're going to meet some new cats. We got a location down in La Crosse, Wisconsin. We're going to go down and visit with Eric and Seth and then the manager down there is now Dan Block. I don't know if that's news to some people, but uh, he is no longer working in the Rogers Door. He is down in La Crosse managing that awesome facility, awesome company, and doing a great job. So that's kind of news to us. But we're also, for 2024, going to install episodes that are called Archery Country Tips and Tricks. For some of you, uh, if you watch some YouTube channels, we got away from the videoing and, um, and just having personnel to do that and run all over. Not saying that we're not going to get back to it. But uh, the podcast, we are going to have some tips and tricks. Uh, today is just going to be me talking about the perfect way to shoot your thumb release. Uh, there's three, actually three ways that you can shoot it, and it's going to fit everybody. I promise to you. So with that being said, uh, we'll get right into it. Welcome everybody back. We appreciate you listening. Today's episode and future episodes are brought to us by Archery Country. This episode is brought to you by Archery Country, some of the best pro shops in North America. You can find at four locations, Waite Park, Minnesota, Brainerd, Minnesota, Rogers, Minnesota, or our brand new location down in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Check us out on the World Wide Web at archerycountry.com. Everything that you need in the industry to make your hunt better, to make your shooting competitions better, or simply to make your equipment better, we're here for you. Knowledgeable staff, friendly staff, and awesome turnaround times. Thank you from Archery Country. All right, so thumb releases overview. Why is it so perfect? Why is it such a great release? Here's some positives for you. A lot of archers are switching to a thumb release for a couple of main reasons. One, ergonomics. It fits in your hand a lot better than a wrist style. Trigger finger can be a little bit sensitive, get a little punchy. That's, that's okay if you're still doing it that way, no problem. A lot of individuals will not use a hinge for hunting. Target practice, absolutely. 3D archery tournaments, tack events, also your indoor spots. You, you Just making the, the change from a hinge to use it all. That's another reason the thumb is so popular is because you can get on it if you need to get on it. Uh, also, having the ability to hook it on your D-loop. There's some great companies out there like Stan and UltraView. Trueball has a couple where you can actually hook it on the D-loop. So when you're chitting in a tree stand or sitting in a ground blind, you have your release right there on your D-loop, or you have it in your binocular harness, so it's easy to get to if you need to. You don't have anything on your wrist. Don't have to climb in. It's not clanking and banging when you reach for your rangefinder or your binos. Just a lot of positives. Are there any negatives switching to a thumb release? They're not really considered negatives, but what they are considered is things that you have to be aware of. When you switch to a thumb release, a lot, a release, a lot of people say, well, my draw length changed. Physically, you did not change. What has changed is your anchor. 
So when you change your anchor, a lot of things can happen. One, you may have to lengthen or shorten your D-loop. You may have to lengthen or shorten your draw length if you would like to do that. Your nose button, if you run one or a kisser, may be a little bit different. And probably the biggest thing, not all the time, but 95% of the time, your peep will be too short or too shallow to your nose or too tall or too, too long. So you have to adjust your peep height because your anchor has changed. A lot of individuals find it more comfortable to shoot a thumb release. And there's a couple ways that you can anchor with your thumb. The first is going to be flat, just like you would with a wrist release flat, meaning that your forefinger and your thumb is going to cup your jawline or back by your ear. Most of your archers that are going to shoot a thumb release will actually turn that angle up so it's more like a 45. So it actually matches your bow grip hand. So if you're properly gripping your bow, like if you held your hand out and said stop and then let your fingers drop, that indicates a 45-degree angle on your grip. So your lifeline is against that pad, bone on bone or bone on aluminum. Your release hand will match that same angle when you're holding it against your face. So that will leave your forefinger and now your middle finger to actually spit, split your jawbone. That's one of the most popular ways to do it. Some guys like Jeff Hopkins and some archers jack that baby way up to where your pinky is actually touching about like where your eye would be. I don't really jack it that far up. I don't have problems with my elbow being up. I just kind of cup that split the jaw with my forefinger, my middle finger, and my release kind of just hangs out at a 45. There are three-finger releases, four-finger attachments, two-finger releases. Most everything we sell, you can adjust that, uh, and you can shoot You can shoot a three-finger, two-finger, you can shoot a four-finger, three-finger, so on and so forth. I personally don't like a four-finger because it induces too much pressure. Um, I can get a little torquey on that. And along with that negative aspect or something that you may want to look at, if you are an archer who has an extremely short D-loop, when you run a thumb release, rather it be a hook style or a caliper style, you have to be cognizant that that D-loop may need to be a little bit longer so that you actually can pivot and induce a little torque into that D-loop and it does not affect the string. If your D-loop is tied properly, a right-handed shooter, the knot will be away from your face on the very top and towards your face on the bottom because you are torquing that what we call a left-hand twist, or you're putting a left twist for a right-handed shooter. Now, if you're left-handed shooter, you'll be twisting your hand away from your face, so your D-loop would be a right-hand twist. If you if you correlate it to helical on arrows, right or left. You just got to make sure that D-loop is just long enough that it doesn't hinder your string when you're torquing on that D-loop. So if you have a very short D-loop, you may have to lengthen those are just the, the only few things that you got to look for. Very few archers can have a thumb release and an index style that, that hit the same or react the same as far as your anchor. So keep that in mind when you're doing it. Now, with that being said, I'm going to take for granted, and I'm going to assume that most of you know how a thumb release works. You have a thumb peg or a post, and then you also have the thumb barrel, Okay. Thumb releases are meant to be shot with your thumb. That's basically how they use it. Again, just assuming that you guys know that or guys and gals know that. 
with that being said, what I'm here to talk to you about for the next half hour is three ways to properly run your release so you have more consistency in your shot process, more consistency in your actual pattern downrange. Now, everybody can grab one of these and shoot it at 10 yards, and you're going to hit where you need to hit. 20 yards, you're going to be pretty dang close, and you can find it out. If you don't do one of these three processes or these three steps, you're going to find at your 30 to 90-yard range, you're going to have some inconsistencies. That's what we're here to help you with. So a lot of today, if you have a release sitting in front of you at your desk or you're sitting in your truck, obviously don't take your hands off steering wheel. But I have a release in my hand, and I'm going to talk about a couple different models that can help you in certain situations on how to do each step properly. With that being said, we'll start with the first one. This is what we call the squeeze method. This is constant pressure from your thumb and your pinky if you're holding your release. Now, if you uh, a ring finger, if you're shooting a three finger, or your middle finger, if you're shooting a two finger. But when you take a release, a thumb release, and you're looking at right in front of your face, if you have your post and your barrel set way forward, okay, remember that a release will not fire by pushing straight down on the button. The release fires by putting tension and pulling backwards, okay? Back towards your elbow if you're at full draw. Back towards the backside of the release. The way that is is there's a sear system inside when we relieve enough tension. When we put pressure on there and that tension breaks that sear, then your release will fire. Very simple concept. Put pressure, enough pressure, it pulls. Now, if you bought a cheap thumb release where you cannot adjust your travel or your sensitivity, or if you have a release uh, like uh, a Carter would be or some of the new stands, it's one, both, one screw does both. Sensitivity and travel is taken care of by one screw. Those are the, actually the coolest. The, they're very, very user-friendly. If you bought a release that doesn't have those, you're probably going to skip this whole podcast and go all the way to number three uh, way to fire that because it, it's really, you can try it, but if you have too much travel, you're going to fight method one and method two of this podcast. So method one, the squeeze method. What I want you to do when you fire your release is get into your release to where if you looked at your fingers, okay, you have the fingertip and then you have break or knuckle number one. And that's coming from the tip working back to your palm. So from the tip, that break, that's knuckle one. Then you got the fatty part and you go to knuckle two. And then you got another fatty part and you have knuckle three. When you hold a handheld release, it needs to sit in between knuckle one and knuckle two. So when you make a fist, you still have your release there, but when you shoot your release, you actually want from knuckle two all the way to your wrist bone to be completely flat. You don't want to have an arc in there and you don't want to be hyperextended out. You want that flat, as flat as you can get it. So you could set a pop can on the back side of your hand on your knuckle from your middle knuckle, second knuckle, all the way to your wrist bone has to be flat. With that being said, now wrap your thumb all the way around that post. If you're a tip shooter, which means just the tip of your finger on there, you're going to want to maybe try to go a little bit deeper. I would say on your thumb between knuckle two and knuckle three, 
that is where you're going to want to have your barrel. Your post has to be a little bit longer to get in there. I personally go way, way deep inside. So I'm right at the crotch of the palm and the thumb. So you can actually feel that bone on there. Now the squeeze method is very simple. You get on target, uh, acquire your target, put your pin on your target, do what you need to do. And now to start your shot process, you're basically going to take your subconscious mind and think about putting your thumb and your ring finger or your thumb and your pinky together. You're basically just squeezing that. For those of you that can shoot rifles, uh, especially long-distance rifles, high-precision rifles, you know that we're not duck hunters. We don't slap that trigger. We're not just saying now. What you're doing is you're breathing and squeezing. Take a big breath in, let half out, hold, and you're squeezing that trigger. Same thing. Instead of using your trigger finger, you're going to use your thumb and your pinky. And you continue that squeeze until it surprises you. The greatest feeling in the world is a surprise release. Now, not all the time is this going to be the greatest or most accurate. And yes, I just said that on a podcast that is airing all over the nation. Sometimes the most accurate way to fire this is not the squeeze method. You can produce some movement. But the surprise release, I'm talking a half inch, a quarter inch, an eighth inch of movement downrange. Okay, so if you're in a hunting situation for the hunters that are listening to this podcast, you're out to kill. You're out to hit a six inch circle, right? So you don't really worry about it. Surprise release is going to be more consistent, sometimes not more accurate, but more consistent over time. Method number three of this, I'm going to tell you how you can actually hit a pinwheel every time if you can control it. But the squeeze method. Um, a lot of coaches nowadays, a lot of uh, younger generation, uh, even some of your adults that have been doing this a long time, they don't really use the squeeze method as much as they use method number two. So the squeeze method is the simplest way because you're not having any movement from your back, your shoulder, your arm. <clears throat> There's really not any back tension involved. A little bit if you're actually holding your bow back to full draw. But we shoot less and less let off. The more and more we get into this archery thing with the you know production and engineering of bows. So you have to be careful on the back tension. The squeeze method, we're not creating a ton of movement. With that being said, that brings us right in to the second way to fire your thumb release. Now, I'm not going into how to aim, but I will go into how to aim in the third setup. The, 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 I'm just figuring that you know how to aim your bow. Uh, the squeeze method and method number two is what we call back tension. You have to be able to, in your mind, be okay with your pin moving a little bit. It's going to do what we call a float. If you were to take a five-spot target, or for those of you that don't shoot paper, if you were to take a 3D target and draw like a four or five-inch circle or paint a four or five-inch circle, if you move, if your pin moves outside of that circle, you have to either add some more stabilizer weight 
add a longer stabilizer, or figure out why you have so much pin movement. If your bow is set up properly, if your draw length is properly, the weight is proper, your pin shouldn't move downrange, let's say 20 and beyond, outside of a 3-inch circle. Like, it, it just shouldn't. If you have the shakes or if you're physically, you know, handicapped on that, like, it's, I understand, okay? But if your bow is set up properly, you shouldn't, and on a five-spot target, we say you shouldn't move out of the white. On a Vegas target, you shouldn't move out of the yellow. You can come into any of our pro shops, and you can ask for those targets and a reference. You can shoot a single spot or three spot or five spot, and it gives you the color contrast so you can actually see your green pin, red, yellow pin, whatever it may be down there. Now, if you're a dot shooter or target shooter, this is going to tighten up a lot more because I'm assuming you have a target rig with the lens proper and your stabilizer weight proper that your pin movement shouldn't be that drastic. If it is, we got to help you change something. Second method of this is the back tension style. This is the very most common. For all of you out there, you know or you've heard of Joel Turner and his shot IQ. Um, I'm not promoting his product. I've, I've, I've listened to some of his episodes and I've watched his stuff on YouTube. And the cat has got something figured out. Uh, the thing about it is... He is, he has simplified the way because of his history and his past. Um, he works a lot on your mental side of things. He's regurgitating some of the shot process stuff that we've been known for 20, 30 years. But he puts it in a perspective that's very easy to understand for your modern-day archer, uh, especially hunters. But at target shooters, obviously it works because you everybody knows his son, Bodie Turner and has been lighting the world on fire for the last couple of years ever since he's like 15 he, he's unstoppable right and the cool thing about uh, watching that family and what Joel has done with other clients is it doesn't matter if it's a hinge or a thumb or a resistance the mental side of things is there now I'm not a coach I'm not certified to help you out with your mental deal over the air I can help you in person a little bit on what to think about and how to do it but if you haven't checked that out it, it's worth i don't you know i'm not saying it's worth the investment to get his whole process but if you can sneak a few youtube videos and watch it it might be something that you get addicted to and helps you um, i definitely think it's a positive but the back tension style is the ability to put your release in your hand get to your anchor draw your bow get to your anchor Create what we call a stop, putting your thumb, locking it around that thumb barrel, putting pressure on the thumb barrel. For some guys and gals, they're going to take their thumb and their pointer finger and they're going to touch them. So you can't move it. The post is locked in a locked position. Then you incorporate tension by doing one of two things, using your back muscles. We've all heard the slogan, pretend there's a dollar bill and squeeze your shoulder blades together. What you're doing is you're rotating around your shoulder and your, your elbow is rotating around, creating tension from your back. Some, like John Dudley from Knock On, he says pull using back tension, but pull and pretend that you want to break the window behind your shooting line, like you want to run your elbow through that so he has follow-through. So when he his shot fires, you watch his hand like 
brush across his ear and go back behind his head, almost making like flexing his bicep, showing off his muscles. This is very, very consistent once you master it. So you acquire your pin on target, letting the pin float. Then you create that block with your thumb and your forefinger, and then you're creating even pressure, again, with the flat part, your back of your hand flat. You're creating pressure, blocking the thumb, and you're pulling or tightening your back muscles. Your shoulder blades come together. I, I don't know the actual muscle terminology, but you're creating back tension. You're pulling that. For those of you that ever shot a uh, resistance release, this is exactly how you fire a wrist re or resistance. You're creating tension. You're pulling um, pounds. You're adding pounds to the holding weight by pulling, and that makes the release go off. You can shoot this exact same method with a thumb. Um, again, you're not going to have a lot of movement. You are creating more movement, but it's if your release is set up, it's a very minute movement to make the release fire. I'm not talking pulling back like three inches and then it fires. Like it's, it's minuscule. You're actually doing more rotation around from your, if you took a laser and put it on your elbow and then that laser was pointing at the wall behind you, you would notice that it moves if you're a right-handed shooter and you're looking at the laser, that laser, the point is going to move around the left, or if you're looking at the laser, it's moving to the right. You're creating a back tension style. Where does this come in handy? If you have target panic, if you physically cannot put your pin on the center without saying go, if you do this properly, and you can see some of the YouTube videos that I've put out, you can see some of the YouTube videos that other people have put out, it allows you to put your pin on target and your mind to calm down. This also slows your shot down. So if you're if you're a target puncher or you're you you command your release, your shot sequence is probably roughly from three to six seconds. And this is studied. I got the shot sense on one of my target bows. I've done this. If I'm a command shooter, it's three to six seconds and that goes off from the time that my pin is floating in the center. If you're a resistance style or back tension shooter, you're going to notice that you up your shot timing from six to probably six to 11. You aim more. You float more. You're creating a little bit more time. Yes, there's a lot of you out there going, well, when you're in a hunting situation, that turkey is out there at 15 steps and you have to fire it. Or if that deer comes by and you stop him, you have to go right now. I know that tags are expensive and trips are expensive, but if you could experience shooting a surprise shot on a live animal, you would soon realize how much or how much more your accuracy has picked up because it forces you to slow down and aim harder. I know I'm throwing some terminology out there that may may not make sense, but if you can experience a surprise shot on a live animal, we can all do it on a target once or twice. Some of us can do it, you know, 90 shots in a row. Once you experience a surprise shot, your life with archery is completely 
easy. You become comfortable. You, you eliminated the dreaded word target anticipation or target panic. The process, you just have to do it more and more and more and more to where it becomes natural every time. doesn't matter if it is a deer in front of you, an elk in front of you, an antelope, turkey, bear, paper target or a 3D target, um, wherever it may be. When your mind is relaxed, you shoot better. Simple. That is a proven fact. If you have anticipation, all the money you spent on arrows, all the money you spent on your sight and your bow and everything on the trip and the plane tickets and taxidermy bills and everything else that gets added up, that creates too much pressure in your mind to make sure you kill. Like we're all, we're all you know, we're all instinctively like we want to pursue the game and, and harvest the animal, right? But if you can just slow your mind down, we do it every day and we don't even know about it. People say, well, what do you mean we do it every day? For those of you that can drive, go down the road. When's the last time you looked at the lines on the side? And I actually got this from one of Bill Winkie's uh, episodes at ATA. Uh, the guy from B3 Archery set at rest. When you're driving down the road, you don't look at the lines. You look at where you're going because it's already like installed in your mind that you, you can just roll throughout. You know what you're doing. Everything's calm. Now, yeah, something comes up and a car swerves in front of you, you can react, right? But it's mind over matter. If you're aiming at your target and you're letting, you're just looking at that X or looking at that spot, that tuft of hair or that feather above the wing butt or above the beard or the, you know, the bear's got, you're looking at, you're aiming at it. Just roll through. Let, let your body do what it needs to do. Believe it or not, you want to hit the center. Your mind wants to hit the center, and you will fire in the center if you're consistently doing it properly. Um, I see it all the time in the range. We'll, we'll go through a little five-minute episode, and I'll have somebody shoot some shots, and they'll look at me and smile, and, and they'll go, oh, my God. I can actually let the pin just sit there, and, and, and nothing has to happen. It just happens. That's what you're trying to get to. It relieves a ton of stress it relieves the anticipation that we have built up we already have too much stress in our life why should archery be one of them things dude just put it in the middle let it sit there pull on your release and it'll go off with that being said again i'll, I'll cover it again we have the squeeze method we have the back tension method now there's a lot of tips and tricks for the back tension method some guys like to rotate their release. Some guys like to squeeze and back tension. And I keep saying, guys, I apologize. Like, all of us together. Archers, right? Get this and practice and practice and practice. And you may have to practice at five yards to start or in your shop or your basement. Ten yards, right? Like, it start close. Then start going further distances. Where target panic will creep up on you is two situations. One, if you're in leagues right now and you're worried about score or you're competing against your buddies at a 3D shoot and you're worried about score, target panic will rear its evil, evil, evil horns at you. If you're in a hunting situation, target panic can come up right away. Again, because you're instinctively wanting to harvest that animal. Too much pressure on you. Forget all that. Pull, 
pull, squeeze, pull. Um, another situation where this comes up, where target panic really, really shows its ugly face, is at longer distances. Because the last thing you want to do is miss at 60. You go out to 100. It's a lot of fun. You don't want to miss. That target is so incredibly small that all of a sudden your pin is covering the whole freaking area. You get anticipating that shot. You punch it or slam that trigger down. A lot of bad stuff can happen. With that being said, welcome to step number three of how to fire a thumb release. Now, I want you to take the word trigger slap. I'm a puncher. Trigger punch. Get it out of your vocabulary. What I want you to start saying is I am a controlled command shooter. I am commanding the release to fire. Up until six years ago, um, in the target world, you guys listened to a podcast I did with John Dudley, and he said, hey, if you guys ever want to figure out arrow builds or how to shoot, watch an Olympic gold medalist. Uh, that was for arrow builds. But watch some of your best target shooters in the world. They'll show you how the release works. They'll show you how your arrow build is, right? Okay. There, up until six years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that. Some guys have been doing this forever. Um, if you can become a controlled command shooter, there are some days that you are simply untouchable. Meaning, if you've ever stood on the line with a command shooter, there are some days they will not miss. For those of you that are listening to this that have anything to do with target archery and you watch the Lancaster shoot-off for 2024, half, if not more than half, of the archers on the line, especially in the shoot-off, commanded their shot. They are mentally strong enough that they can control where that pin is. They're not timing it. They're not driving by the target and firing it. They're pulling and creating pressure. And at the very last moment when that pin is where they want it, they simply touch it off. But a controlled command shooter is not a slapper or a puncher. You are not coming from left field. The biggest mistake you can make is not having your thumb married to that thumb button or peg. If you're going to be a command shooter and you do not touch the thumb barrel until it's time to fire, push pause on this or flip it over to XM radio and listen to your favorite song. We cannot help you if you slap the trigger. I, I, I don't want to be blunt. I don't want to be rude. But if that's the way you're going to shoot, so help you God. If you can control this, if you can marry your thumb to that thumb peg so the last little micromillimeter of movement is you commanding this, then you have a chance. So draw your bow back. Get your release in your hand. Draw your bow back and Marry that thumb, rather it be the tip or the middle knuckle or in deep like I shoot it. Put your thumb on there and pretend it's super glued to it and it will not move. 
dry your bow back, you're at anchor, thumb is on the peg, squeeze and pull to help you aim, and then it's just one little millimeter of movement, and you, it's off, okay? If you're on, if you're having your day, this is one of the most accurate ways to shoot it. I know I've been on other podcasts, and I've told you that this could be detrimental. I've changed my opinion in the last 12 months with a thumb button. You can be very, very accurate as a command shooter if you can harness your mental thought process. If you cannot, stop listening and go back to method one and method two. I promise you it will be more forgiving because, and this is a pretty bold statement, if you drive by, and what I mean by a drive-by, if you draw your bow and you're above the target and you come down to the target and then your pin goes past the X and then you come and you're trying to push that bow, you're trying to pull that bow, whatever it may be, to get that pin back up to the X, and all of a sudden it's starting to move, starting to move, starting to move, and then your pin's on your X and you go, now! And you shoot four inches high. That's a drive-by. Sometimes you see it, an archer will be, they'll, they'll draw their bow back above the target, they come down to the target, and they're on the left-hand side, and they're a right-handed shooter, and they're going from the left, going to the left. They cross into the white, they get to the X, and bam! And they're still moving, and the arrow hits to the right. There's no physical way to do this perfect every time, so you cannot, like, set your sight to the right hope and then hit them in the left you can do it once or twice absolutely but you can't do it 60 times in a row if you're a drive-by shooter go back to method one or method two quit being a drive-by if you have target panic so bad that your pin locks below the target and you can't lift it up go to method one or method two don't be a command shooter now there's an anomaly to every story right one of the greatest uh, archers that I know personally. He lives in Iowa now. He's what we call a lollipopper. He loves to see what he's shooting at. So he's he's known in the ASA world for everything that he's done. Before Levi Morgan, Jeff Hopkins like owned ASA, IBO, right? Like he was the king. What he would do is he has to see the X or he has to see the 12 ring that he's aiming at. So he sights in, his arrow impacts what he's aiming at, but his pin is below the target. There's absolutely nothing wrong with this. It's called lollipop. And if you guys remember when we got our, our Daisy Red Rider BB guns back when we were little, they teach you, or it says how to sight this in, is you put the front sight in between the two little wedge parts on the back side creates a U and you aim below your target, right? That's how we were taught when we were little. So if you, if you physically can't put your pin or you have to see what you're aiming at, by all means, put the pin right below where you're aiming at and sight in. Lollipop. It can relieve target anticipation, anxiety. Um, there's some target archers that shoot like a, a see-through circle on their lens so they can actually see the X. Um, if you're shooting like a triangle, that's kind of a new thing that UltraView came out with as their, far as their stickered placards. You're shooting a triangle with a little point. It's the same thing as a pin. You're putting a pin right below that X, and then you're executing your shot. 
Now, I'm not going to say that Jeff Hopkins is a target puncher or a command shooter. He may be in some situations. He may not be. He may be doing all three of them. Might be squeezing, pulling, and sending. Who knows? Um, if you ask me, I just got done shooting a tournament. It was the MMA state uh, five-spot or NFAA five-spot round. That is the very first tournament in my life that all the arrows that I shot with a thumb button. Now, did I shoot a surprise shot? 90% of the time I did. can honestly sit here and tell you that. Did I command a few shots? Absolutely I did. It came down to the last end. Um, a gentleman by the name of Lopez, Tim Lopez, he shoots uh, in the cities. And he's actually the vice president of the MAA. He, uh, him and I were in the pro class. And we were shooting together. <clears throat> he was top, I was bottom, bottom top. So I had in my mind, I could tell where he was at, right? Because I was a scorekeeper on the mobile pad, and then we had paper scores, and he was a caller. So is this the right way to do it? No, but this is how I, this is just the way that I do it. I'm always keeping track, right? Today's technology, you can open your phone and see who's leading. Uh, I, I shot clean through seven ends, and he had dropped two X's. So I knew that I had some room. Right. I, my goal was to shoot 60 X's clean. Like Braden Gillantine says this all the time. If you can't shoot 60 X's in the pro class, grandma can. So why can't you, you know, it, I kind of took offense to it when he said that, but it is, it, it's one of the easier targets in the target world to shoot clean shot clean through seven ends. Um, I dropped an X. So it was, it was, you know, he, he dropped two. I dropped one. <clears throat> the next end I dropped another. So we we're tied 58. This wasn't a shoot-off scenario. This was an inside-out situation. So that means you're, not, you're inside the X. You're not touching any of the line. Um, I didn't know exactly where he was inside-out, but I knew where I was tentatively within, give, you know, give or take three or four inside-out Xs. We shot down to it to the last end, and in the last end, end number 12, he shot, I believe, three or four inside-outs. So I knew in my mind... I knew that if I shot five inside outs, I probably had the tournament. So on the last end, had some nerves. Everybody's watching. I know what I had to do. They knew what I had to do. First shot, put it in the center, told myself I'm going to work through this shot. I did. It was inside out. Second shot, had a little bit more pin movement. I was a little bit shaky. Nerves were starting to creep in. I did surprise it, it went off and it was inside out so i had it there i was like okay i got this target panic i got you i put you in a little package ziploc bag that i can't open third shot we're shooting five arrows third shot pin is sitting there beautifully not moving not moving not moving and then it starts to creep in and i'm like why isn't it going off i had a ton of pressure on my thumb i was white knuckling it i got it there pins there boom I commanded it inside out four shot. <clears throat> All right, Wade, you got to go back to a surprise shot. You can't, can't mess this up. Can't do drive by. Can't do any of that. Four shot, draw back anchor pin, or I shoot a dot dots. Just sitting there, just sitting there, just sitting there, just sitting there. I let down. I can remember saying to myself, well, are you going to, or are you not going to? <laughs> I drew back. 
I have a lot of weight on my bow, so there's not a lot of pin movement or dot movement. The dot was in the center. I didn't even give it a second. It was sitting there. I said go. But I had a tremendous amount of pressure on my back tension and my thumb. So that little bit of movement when I said go, my bow didn't move. So I already had four inside outs. I knew that it was probably good. Fifth shot, lined up. I had calmed down, kind of like everything just washed away. Squeeze, squeeze, boom, it went off. So during that 60-shot sequence, some of the time I squeezed, some of the time I used the squeeze method and the back tension, and for about five, six shots throughout that, I did command it. But what I noticed is I missed less because I could control my command. So it can be done. I got home, and I said, I wonder if I can do this with my hunting bow. I went and shot 20 arrows, 19 of them. I just squeezed, boom. I hit with, you know, within a half inch of the center. Uh, one shot, I just let it sit there, and I squeezing and squeezing, and it wasn't going to go off, and I did, and it hit dead center. So is it proper? That's up in the air. Is it a way for you to get better? It can be. A controlled command can be, if you can harness your mental capacity, can be very good. I highly recommend doing method one and method two to help you get to where you can control it. Now, let's talk about some thumb buttons and what the differences are. If you come into the shop or you go to a shop or you're online and you're going and you're finding a thumb button and it's 89 bucks, it's probably an okay release, but it's not the best. <clears throat> money binds happiness. Three things you need to spend money on when you're at the pro shop, right? An archery. The bow, obviously, is pretty, pretty important. A high-quality rest and arrows, so actually four things. High-quality rest, arrows to a point. Your release. There's only two things that touch the bow, your grip and your release. So why would you skimp on one of those? Get a release where you can adjust the travel. Get a release where you can adjust the pitch of your thumb barrel. Get a release that you can adjust third finger, fourth finger, or two finger. Get a release that you can customize to yourself. When you get that release absolutely perfect and you're the one of the most accurate shots that you've ever been, being a command shooter or being a surprise shooter, get a second release that duplicates that one. In case something happens, you can go to number two. It's very hard to switch from a release that's set up perfect and then go back to your, your backup release that's A, hits different, B, you execute it different, C, you use your finger instead of your thumb, whatever it may be. <clears throat> Stan came out with a release called the Clicker. It's on their Onyx series. The Stan Onyx is a very, very good thumb release. You have awesome travel and adjustment for your sensitivity. You can adjust your thumb barrels from fat to little, thumb post from tall to short, three-finger or four-finger. all comes in the same package. <clears throat> they This year, uh, last, last fall, they released what they call the Stan Clicker. What this does is it allows archers who have target anticipation or target panic 
execute your release by squeezing and pulling, and it'll actually click. So you're squeezing on the thumb peg, squeezing on the thumb peg, squeezing, and then it goes click, and that's that's saying, okay, we are right to where we need to be. Are you going to make the shot, or are you going to let down? Then you can continue on if your pin's in there and everything's calm and collected. If you're doing a drive-by and you get to the click and you can't, simply let off the thumb peg and let down. The best shot in archery is a shot that's not shot properly. If you're all over the place, let down, revamp. Now, yes, okay on a deer, on wild game, you're probably not going to let down and revamp. If you can, kudos to you. But I'm talking about practice so that your mind and your body instinctively do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. The stand clicker is probably one of the best advancements that I have seen in a thumb release for a long, long time. Stan also makes a resistance and a hinge that duplicate each other. This is a, this is a release that you can hook on the D-loop. Um, another phenomenal thumb release. True Ball have some great hunting and target releases. Um, Ultraview makes a really good popular thumb release where you can adjust the travel and what they call force sensitivity. Um, ergonomically speaking, they all come in different sizes so that you can fit it in your hand. The worst thing is to get a release that's too small um, because it congests your hand and your muscles and creating that flat movement. It's very, very difficult. But uh, And this is something you come in in one, any one of our pro shops and just say, hey, do you guys mind if I try a few releases on your shot trainer? And you narrow it down from three or four or five and you get down to one or two. And if, uh, you know, if you're, you're properly set up on your bow, we'll allow you to take those releases over to our demo range and you can basically blank bail. You're just getting that release set for you. And all of our staff is very well qualified. They can set the release to help you. Um, we also carry a ton of hinges and a ton of finger releases and also some resistance styles, um, you know, to help out with your shot process. But today's episode is all about thumb releases, so that's kind of where we're at. Um, again, the stand clicker, <clears throat> that's one of the new ones. It's called Stan Onyx Clicker. Um, Stan Onyx is a phenomenal release. It doesn't have a click. Again, we talked about True Ball and Ultraview. Spot Hog makes some nice releases as well. Um, they're a little bit different the way that they react as far as thumbs, but uh, they can be set up and they can be very, very, very good. With that being said, I hope that this helped. Um, again, remember, don't be a target puncher. Don't be, don't, don't be a, a slapper. Don't be a trigger puncher. Don't be a slapper. Be a controlled command shooter or be a surprise shooter. On behalf of everybody at Archery Country, we appreciate you, and we'll see you on down the road. Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast. 